Well, we extend a warm welcome to everybody gathered here this evening and those who are online as well. And we pray that the Lord would come before us and through his Spirit bless our time together. We're going to begin by singing to God's praise in the traditional version of Psalm 135, page 425. And we're going to sing verses 1 through to 7. Praise ye the Lord, sorry, praise ye the Lord, the Lord's name praise. His servants praise ye God, who stand in God's house in the courts of our God make a boat. Praise ye the Lord, for he is good, and to him praises sing. Sing praises to his name, because it is a pleasant thing. And so on to the end of the verse, March 7. Praise ye the Lord. together in prayer. We do thank thee, O God, that thou hast brought us together once again on this thine own holy day to come.
come before thee in the spirit of worshippers, calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we have no access unto thee except by him. And we pray that the influence of thy spirit would be upon us, each one, from the youngest to the oldest. Whatever our status is in life, help us to appreciate more and more what we have in Christ Jesus. We thank thee that he has given us the freedom and the liberty from the captivity of sin and of death. We thank thee that thou hast shown us a better way and in that better way thou hast helped us to walk. O Lord, we walk not by, by sight but by faith. And we thank thee for the grace of faith that has enabled us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who is the altogether lovely one and the Prince of Peace. There is none like unto him no, not one. We pray thy blessing then upon our time of worship and fellowship together. Be with each and every one of us, those of us in the building and those who are gathering with us online. O Lord, may, may we be found in the Spirit of Christ, confessing that Jesus Christ is our surety for time and for eternity. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. <clears throat> and there is no people in all the earth so privileged as thy people. Therefore we pray that in response to what Christ has wrought in us, having delivered us from the bondage and the corruption of sin, help us, we pray thee, to walk in the light as he is in the light. Help us to find ourselves looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, who is now set down at thy right hand, making continual intercession for his people. We would ask of thee, O Lord, to bless us as a congregation, we do thank thee that in the days of, that have been of difficult times, we have been assured of thy presence with us, and that we would lay hold upon thee continually. Help us, we pray thee, to live in dependence upon thee, and do thou bless us, each and every one, bless us individually, bless us as families, and may that which binds us together be the cord that never breaks. We pray that that threefold cord, which will not be broken, will be part of our own experience. We remember before thee many of the congregation who cannot be with us. And although opportunity is given through the technical devices, Yet, O Lord, we pray that thou wouldst help us to render unto thee that an awareness of the fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus. Although at times we may be separated physically, the bonds of Christ's love are a surety. We pray for those of the congregation who may be aged and infirm, we ask of thee to lay thine hand upon them and may the love of Christ surround them and that whatever their physical weaknesses may be, may they still know the strength of the Lord. We pray too that thou wouldst remember our young people growing up in a world of so many mixtures. We pray for their protection. We pray for those who are away on at universities or in colleges we pray that thou wouldst help them where they are help them against the devices of the evil one they are covenant children and Lord we pray for children of the covenant 
O Lord, lead them and guide them in the way of truth and of righteousness. Protect them, we pray thee, from all the evils that may surround them and attack them. We pray for any in the congregation who may be going through trying and difficult times, maybe not known to ourselves, but each and every one is known to thee. And thou, O Lord, art willing and able to help each and every one. We continue to remember those who in recent times have known the experience of loss and separation. And yet we have that assurance that nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray thy blessing then to rest upon such and do thou give them tokens of thy love and favour. Lord, we do thank thee for the opportunity and the privilege of this hours to find ourselves as witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ in this part of thy vineyard. Be mouth, matter and wisdom to us all. Give us words to speak, words that would encourage people to seek the Lord whilst he is to be found and call upon him while he is near. We pray that within the community, the witness of the church, the congregation, all the families, young and old, would be a blessing to the community. And we would ask of thee also that thou wouldst remember Fahi and Greta and all the family. Lord, we thank thee for them and we pray that thou wouldst uphold them by thy spirit. May the love of Christ surround them. May they know tokens of that love in this assurance that he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Continue with us, O Lord, we pray thee. Bless thy word to us, even as we read it. And take away all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen. We're going to read in the Old Testament, in the first book of Samuel, chapter 16, and reading verses 1 through to verse 13. 1 Samuel chapter 16 at the beginning. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his, his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invites Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consented. Sorry, and he consecrated Jesse and his son and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on the appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, who made him to pass before Samuel. 
And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammam pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this, this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There is, there's, sorry, there remains yet one. Sorry, there, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send him, get him for me. Will not, we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. For this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him by the midst of the in in the midst of the brothers and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah Amen and may God bless to us that reading of his word to this name be all the praise we're now going to sing in Psalm number 70 Again, the traditional version of the Psalms, page 307, Psalm 70, the first verse, and we're going to sing verses 1 through to verse 5. Lord, haste me to deliver, with speed, Lord, succor me. Let them that for thy soul to seek, shamed and confounded be. Turn back be they, and shamed that in my heart delight. Turn back be they, ha ha, that say they're shaming to requite. And so on to the end of the psalm. Lord, haste me to deliver. Our New Testament reading is taken from 
Second Timothy chapter 1 reading from the beginning of the chapter I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and that by his appearing and his kingdom by his appearing in this kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove, rebuke, exhort and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, to the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am ready to be I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who love his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica Croesus has gone to Galatia Titus to Dalmatia Luke alone is with me get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus when you come, bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he is, he is strongly opposed. He strongly opposed our message. At my first defence, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So... I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me to safety into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesephorus. Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Trophimus who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you. As to Prudence. And Linus and, Linus, Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So on, may God bless to us that reading of his word, and to his name be all the praise. We're now going to sing in Psalm 143, in the traditional version, page 439, second version, singing from verse 6. Lo, I do stretch my hands to thee, my help alone. For thou will understand all my complaint and moan. My thirsty soul desires and longeth after thee, as thirsty ground requires, with rain refreshed to be. And so on to the end of the verse, Mark 10. 
Lo, I do stretch my hands. help, I would like us to turn to the second reading that we had in Second Timothy and chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4 and reading at verse 18. Maybe I'll read from before that. from verse 18 the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom to him be the glory forever and ever (coughs) greet Priscilla and Aquila the household of Onesephorus Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Trophimus who was ill at Miletus 
do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you. My apologies for that. I read the wrong section. Not the wrong name. Because my concern this evening is to look at this character that is set before us. A man called Onesiphorus. He's not one of the most obvious characters in scripture that you would allude to anything in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, he hides away in this chapter. But I think what is set out before us in this passage is something that we need to remind ourselves constantly of. And that is our relationship one with the other. I had a particular reason for reading in in Samuel that part of David's experience in his being anointed king over Israel. The reason for that was that there we have a situation which it certainly was a family situation to one extent but it was more than that. It is how people react to one another in various circumstances in life's journey. For example, when Samuel was called upon to go and choose from the family of Jesse one who would be anointed king, he didn't want to go really, but he went in obedience to God's call. And as he was there with Jesse and looking at all these young men that Jesse had, Jesse, I'm sure, himself was hopeful that one of them would be the king. But I don't think the brothers were all that pleased with the choice that was made. In fact, history tells us and shows to us that the brothers were very jealous of David at different points in his historical experience. The thing is, in that family, like in many families, there were jealousies. They weren't following following the script, as it were. They were following a way of their own tradition, their own personal aggrandizement, maybe, or whatever. But the thing is, when God chose David to be king, as he said, I don't look on the outward part, but on the inner part. I look at the heart of man. And I see what is going on in the heart of each and every one of us, of you. We all come under the watchful eye of God. And all our transactions, either in our minds or in our actions, are well known to God. When Paul, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he was concerned that Timothy would come to a realization that what he was about was the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul was given him much instruction, and much of that instruction is often directed to ourselves as preachers of the gospel. But it was instruction to, as it were, characterize someone who, by grace, had experienced the love of Christ. Now we know, and Paul says this at the very beginning of of this uh, epistle, about the kind of family that Timothy had come from. I'm sure also that Jesse's family had been brought up in the word of God. At least we have nothing to to suggest that he wasn't. But there's one thing sure, 
that this young man, Timothy, had had all the elements and the characteristics of a man chosen to be a servant of Christ. One who would be willing to fulfill righteousness in the proclamation of God's word. Now, Onesiphorus. Nothing much is said about him. And maybe that is why he is not maybe uppermost in our thinking when we think of the characters of either the Old or the New Testament. I think it was about three or four years ago I drew on the character of an Old Testament man who to my mind is, was a onesiphorus is the kind of New Testament of that man. And that man was Ebed Melech, the king's servant, who you remember had saved Jeremiah from the pit. And at that time we looked at the way in which Ebed Melech had treated Jeremiah. Unlike those who were watching on and were glad to get rid of Jeremiah and who were hoping that he would be dead in that pit that they threw him into. But God had a different, different plan. And of course it was Ebed Melech that God had used. Again a man from the sidelines maybe we would say of scriptural characters. But nevertheless a man of God a faithful servant even to the king who had Jeremiah put in the pit when you come to Onesiphorus Paul has a lot to say in so few words in fact maybe that is the best thing of all that it is so few words for listen to what Paul is saying in verse chapter 1 of Second Timothy he says this You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me among whom are Phygelius and Hermes May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus for he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains but when he arrived in Rome, he searched, me out for, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. Now, this passage is a scripture. Now, I'm not going to go into it at all, but it has created a bit of division among theologians as to what Paul is doing here. The implication being was Paul praying for the dead. I don't want to get involved in that because that would be a great distraction. Because what Paul is trying to do, directing his attention to Onesiphorus, but placing Onesiphorus in Timothy's mind, that this is the kind of character of person, personality we all should be given different and varying situations in our life's experience. Paul is making a plea here that the Lord would have mercy upon the house of Onesiphorus. And there was a reason for that. The reason was, and this is something we need to take to ourselves all the time, when we are dealing with one another, when we are interacting with one another, one another. We may all have, yes, our warts and our failings. We may all have many things that we wouldn't want anybody else to know about, and that is very true. But what Paul wants on the civil, to put Timothy to know and to recognize is the character of Onesiphorus in relation to the way that he had dealt with Paul in numerous situations. For example, here we are told that Onesiphorus often refreshed me. Now you may think to yourself, well, that's just a 
a cultural thing. That's just something to do with how we ought to behave. But I think it's much more than that. What Onesiphorus was doing as a man of God, as a servant of Christ, he was looking after this servant of God, the Apostle Paul. And the way that he was doing it was that he, as Paul says, he often refreshed me. Now I'm sure you've come upon various people in your journey of life who have had a relationship with you, at least to this level, that when they left you to your company, you felt the better of it. There was a kind of a oneness between you and somebody else that showed to you that this person, every time he or she speaks to me, makes me feel refreshed. It's not as though he was handing him a bottle of some kind of drink or other. Nothing to do with that. It was the fellowship that Onesiphorus had with Paul, the great apostle. For Paul to say something like that about this man, as I say, his identity we, we don't know. He's not one of these big main characters of scripture. But he was obviously a man who exercised this Christian content of life in his life and his relationship to Paul. He often refreshed me. Now, it's not just once. It's not just someone coming into your experience and then going and that's it. You never hear of them again. But there is no doubt that Onesiphorus was a man who in Paul's experience was a refreshing influence. And I'm quite convinced, given the tone and the subject of Paul's epistle to Timothy, that all had to do with talking about things that mattered most. Spiritual things. I wonder how long it takes us, any one of us, to engage in things that are spiritual very early on in our meeting with one another. Or have we? Or is it an area we neglect? We may talk of the generalities of everyday life, but when someone comes into your experience and you can see at the very heart of their being there is that Christ-likeness. I've known many men and women, but mainly men in my own experience, who one could have tremendous conversations that when you would leave their company you'd wish that it continue more and more. But we know that's not possible. It couldn't be possible for Onesiphorus to be with the Apostle all the time. But when he had the opportunity, a moment was not lost whatsoever with regard to the effect that Onesiphorus had upon him. Paul, the great Apostle, being influenced in his heart and spirit by this man, Onesiphorus. Listen to what he says again. May the Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. That's an interesting aside that he makes here. Because we know, and Paul was at this very time of writing, he was in chains. And when he was in Rome, we are told that Onesiphorus went out of his way. In fact, possibly he went there primarily to meet the great apostle, to encourage him in his chains. Now, we're not living in the kind of society, at least I hope we're not, that the Apostle Paul lived in with all the persecution. That doesn't mean to say it doesn't exist in the world. Of course it does. It's all around the world. 
And many believers are being persecuted daily, suffering physically, mentally, in every way possible because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I wonder, would we go out of our way to give comfort and consolation to people who are in that condition? Paul's chains were not a turn-off. Maybe there are some people that come into your experience and mine that maybe we'd be like the, the Pharisee or the, the um, those men who had crossed over to the other side and didn't want to help the poor man that had been beaten up by robbers. The Levite, the Pharisee, well, they might have had an interest, just a glancing interest about this poor man. But do you ever think and feel yourself ashamed that there are people out there whom we ignore, totally ignore? Could it be said that there's very little of the character of Onesiphorus in our hearts and lives? Is it the case that maybe the Lord has put it like he did to Onesiphorus, put it into that heart of that man to, as it were, not be concerned about who's looking at what? The Pharisee and the Levite, they were ashamed. They wouldn't go over and see this poor man. Why? Because, well, maybe someone's watching. Maybe somebody will not be will start a gossip about trying to deal with these sort of people just leave them to their own devices but I can't imagine that a character like Onesiphorus was going to do that in fact even with regard to the authorities of the day in Rome I'm sure he came under great threat he was going around not silently, I don't think. He was going around looking for Paul. Paul the Apostle, whom he knew to be imprisoned, yes, even illegally. What had Paul done? He had done nothing wrong. Not a thing. At least not since he was converted. But Onesiphorus knew that he was in need and he was going to find himself in that situation in prison in a difficult way. Onesiphorus wasn't ashamed that Paul was enchained. Oh yes, he would have been very sorry about it. He felt heart sorry for Paul that this was the situation. He wasn't ashamed of my, of my chains but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. One of the characteristics of Eben Melech was kindness. And that's what is shown here, the kindness of God, demonstrated in the life of his people. And if we have a problem being kind, not just to those who we love, those who are of our own church or denomination, if we have a problem there, the problem is even exaggerated when we look out into this world that is lying in sickness, close to death, spiritually speaking. Paul says, he looked me out. He searched for me. He wants Timothy to have something of the characteristic of Onesiphorus. But of course, that is not Paul the Apostle suggesting for one moment that Onesiphorus should be our great idol. That's what the Greek Orthodox Church did with Onesiphorus. They set him up as an icon and they worshipped Onesiphorus. Paul's not wanting that of 
Timothy. But he wants to see the honest, the 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 example, the honest example of Onesiphorus, how much he showed the love of Christ. Because as Paul would see it, it was only the love of Christ in Onesiphorus's heart that could make him be what he was. You and I ask ourselves, you know, what has Christ made me? Yes, we know that he made us a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. We are changed, yes, dramatically changed. But what difference has it made in my relationship with, first of all, my fellow believer, or my relationship with those who are even my enemies. The Lord Jesus Christ knew what it was to experience the enemies of his soul. They were all around him. The Pharisees, the Sadducees. Yes. The atheists, the Gentiles. They all went against him. And that's what they were doing with Paul. And Paul knew that his time was coming. Yes, he was at the end of his life. But he wasn't going to forget those who had made such an impression upon him that he would leave it for Holy Writ to demonstrate it to you and to me. He may be a figure, Onesiphorus might be a figure, that you glance over and struggle even to pronounce. It's very easy to put out a wrong pronunciation of that name and get yourself in trouble. But there is no doubt the central characteristic of this man was that he was Christ-like. And that's what Paul wanted Timothy to see. And to search that out in Christ's people. What influence are we, for example, at this level to other people? Do we make a change in other people's lives? Oh, I'm not saying we have the power to change them. But is it the fact that they see within us that we are different? We no longer follow a course of cunningly devised fables. We have been redeemed, we have been bought by the precious blood of Christ. Just like Paul, just like Timothy, just like Onesiphorus. Whatever might have been the problem for Onesiphorus by holding fast to what he believed by exercising a spirit of kindness and loving kindness to Paul, one thing is sure, the enemy of his soul was not going to stop him. Paul knew what like it was, as he recounted here, of those who left him, more or less rejected him. They were embarrassed about his being imprisoned. They didn't want to know him. It's exactly the same as what happened to Christ, but in a much more manifest way. Yes, they left him. Even his disciples, they scattered. Is that what we do? Or do we have the heart and soul and spirit of Onesiphorus to exercise that spirit that Christ has put in us? A spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, and all of these characteristics of which the Apostle Paul speaks in another epistle. So, I just wanted to highlight just this man who is nothing maybe in our thinking of biblical characters. And yet if we ignore him, we do ourselves a disservice. Because if Paul could see in him, and as you and I should be able to see 
in our brothers and sisters in Christ, would it not be a beautiful gateway to that spirit of unity that characterizes those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit? Yes, says Paul, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phrygelus and Hermes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and came to me and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy in the Lord in that day. What a prayer of the Apostle Paul for a man who might be second rated in our estimation. But no one in the household of faith should be second rated. Just like it was the case, I'm sure, with Jesse, he was surprised that David, his youngest one, who was out feeding and looking after sheep, that he should be the one that should be king. As he was told, as Samuel was told, God doesn't look on the outward, but rather in the inward heart of man. I may something upon a syphilis rub off in you and me. Shall we pray? O eternal and ever-blessed God, we do thank Thee that Thou art a God of grace and of mercy. Thou art calling upon thy people to know and to experience the love of Christ shed abroad in their hearts. We thank thee that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us a new life in him. But we pray that we might have that new life in exercise, in our daily walk and conversation with one another, in our desire to uphold and strengthen one another, to encourage each other in the faith. For we live in dark times, and the enemy of the souls of each and every one of us is seeking to see whom we can destroy. O Lord, we pray that thou wouldst help us to be protectors one of the other. Go before us then and forgive all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen. We're going to conclude by singing in Psalm 18. Psalm 18 in the traditional verse. And we're going to sing verses 28 to 32. The Lord will light my candle so that it shall shine full bright. The Lord my God will also make my darkness to be light. By thee through troops of men I break and them discomfort all. And by my God assisting me I overleap a wall. And so on to the end of the verse 32. The Lord will light my candle so.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, the fellowship and the comfort of the Holy Spirit be with you and with all whom you love, both now and always.